Good morning to this wonderful and awe-inspiring community of Goshen College, and welcome to the first chapel of the 2019-2020 school year. Just a reminder that our time together today is a device-free time. My name is Ainsley Zhu. I'm a second year biochemistry and music major, and I'm part of this year's student ministry team. Today's chapel will introduce you to this year's chapel theme titled Serving God, Serving All, which is connected to Goshen College's core value of servant leadership. This year, we will discover and explore what it means to serve God and serve all those who surround us. During chapel today, as we listen to campus pastor Joanne Gallardo, I encourage you to reflect on what service means to you and how you can serve God and serve others in all ways, big and small. To start our time of worship today, for today and this year, we will light a peace lamp. This lamp symbolizes the light of Christ that burns in all of us and reminds us of the ever-present comfort of God. Yes. Hello. We will start the chapel by singing Who You Say I Am by Hassan. So if you all please may stand and sing along. But he brought me in, oh, his love for me, oh, his love for me. Oh, the sun sets free, oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Who the Son sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child. Oh, 
singing the hymn number 414, God Who Stretched, from the blue hymnal. will be reading the scripture from Luke chapter 22 verses 24 to 30. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Good morning. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment and think of the most annoying person in your life. 
Could be someone you're in classes with, could be a relative, could be a sibling or just an acquaintance you just don't like. Think about it, now open your eyes. And I want you to keep that person in mind as I'm talking. I have a bit of youngest child syndrome, and maybe that's your family situation as well. If you're the youngest, how many people here are the youngest in their family? Oh, there's a lot of you. You're used to being the last. Maybe people are a bit patronizing to you. Others in your family may need to be reminded to include you. You may be very well loved, but always reminded that you're just a little bit precious and maybe not in a good way. It's not always great being the youngest, but in our scripture for today, that's the position that we are being called to. Our theme for this year focuses on servant leadership, one of our guiding core values as Goshen College. For those of us in the Christian tradition or other traditions, this may seem really, really basic to us. Maybe some of you have gone on missions trips or you've done SST. We do alternate fall or spring break trips and we go and we help others. These are great things to do. I also want to acknowledge all the other ways we serve with those around us and serving that doesn't necessarily involve a religious institution or even a religious motivation. We help our friends in times of need we give back in an animal shelter. We help elderly members of our family do what they need to do to make it from day to day. I also want to remind Mennonites that we do not have a monopoly on service. Many denominations and faith traditions, many represented here today, make it a point to actively live out faith in ways that see to the well-being of others. The story that Nithya read for us that we have from Jesus comes from his last days on earth. This is the great scene of the Last Supper. At the beginning of this chapter in Luke, Judas agrees to betray Jesus. The passage in Luke says that Satan entered him. And for a little bit of money, Jesus will be handed over to the authorities in just a few short hours. Jesus knows this, and knowing that his time is short, he does the following. Jesus breaks bread with his disciples. He holds a Passover meal and says the famous words those of us from the Christian, Christian tradition say at most every service of communion or Eucharist. After this, a fight breaks out. A group of grown adult men start fighting over who is the greatest. Where have we seen this before? We see this type of fighting all the time. We see it in advertising. Why a certain brand is the best? Have you ever seen a company throw shade at another company for not being as great as they are? Political candidates try to tell you who is the best option for your future. Lenders market themselves to students for having the best interest rates. Jobs at certain places claim they take the best care of their employees. Jesus does not have a lot of time left. He could say, stop fighting, it's annoying. He could have just said who his favorite disciple was and let them deal with the fallout. But Jesus sets the disciples straight by reminding them once again that they are focusing on the wrong thing. They seem to always focus on the wrong thing. The way the world works is that the greatest 
sits at the table while being served. But in the kingdom of God, the greatest among you is the one who serves others. In order to be Christ-like, we need not to see ourselves as someone who needs a prominent seat at the table, but rather a person who serves the entire table. When we look at this, we start to wonder what the best really means, and whether we're taking a long, discerning look at our leaders, at our lenders, at our products. Ultimately, if we view it that way, it's a transaction. We give, and we decide if what we're getting back is enough, given what we've put in it. But in the ancient world, there wasn't a choice. You were at the mercy of those sitting at the table, and your choice was to serve or else. Jesus, on the other hand, turns this on its head. Jesus comes as one who serves, not as someone who demands a seat at the table. This is not quite what we expect. This isn't what anyone was expecting. In ancient times, and arguably today, people hoped for a benevolent ruler, one that wouldn't make their lives miserable. They just hoped for a ruler that allowed them to live and maybe possibly even live a life that they kind of wanted to live. Rulers can demand anything of their subjects, and the biblical story is full of evil kings and bad rulers who go to great lengths to demand royalty. Jesus tells his disciples that they have stood by him in his trials. All this right after they have an elementary school argument over who is better. They will get a seat at the table, just like everyone else, but for now, their posture should be one of service. Their posture should be that of the youngest sibling, being last, taking the lead others give, helping out after everyone else has gone home. It's from this passage and several others like it through the Gospels that we get the biblical mandate for service. It's where Campus Ministry borrow its theme of this year of serving God, serving all. And being a Christ-following institution, it's where we get our core value of servant leadership. So the message Jesus is giving us here is rather clear. To be a follower of Jesus, we must follow Jesus' example and approach our lives as the servants of others, not as king, not as ruler, or even boss of others. Some of you might have the experience of being served. Think back to a mentor or a teacher or a leader you've experienced in your life. Maybe they were a pastor, a professor, or just a really wise friend. What made them great to you? My guess is that they didn't earn your respect and trust by bossing you around or having them lecture you all the time how awesome they are. Time and again, what I hear from others, great mentors and great leaders don't take advantage of their position. They serve others. They help people like you and me be our best selves by helping us, not by bossing us. They help us learn how to do something by being our backup, not running the show themselves. They take a seat and let us learn how to lead ourselves. 
They answer questions, they listen to us bemoan the trials of not knowing how to do something, and they help. They don't just pick it up and do it for us, they serve us by allowing us each to figure it out for ourselves. That takes time, it takes patience, and that in itself is an act of service. And for each person sitting here, you have that opportunity to be that person for someone else. And you might be thinking, I don't have time to serve, I'm a full-time student, or I have a family, I don't live on campus, and that is okay. God doesn't require perfection from us. Let me say that again, God does not require us to be perfect. God does require us to be faithful. You don't need your ducks in a row to serve. Your life doesn't need to be some shiny example of the perfect religious life. You don't need to have some squeaky clean background. And while church and community are really very important, you don't have to go to church every Sunday of your life to be worthy of serving. And the good thing is, there are myriad ways to serve. The Bible tells us that there are a lot of gifts, but the same spirit. It goes on to list prophets, teachers, etc. It can be daunting to think of ourselves in this way. But maybe that is your call. You may be in God's service by teaching others. Maybe you're an education major, or maybe you're an evangelist, and your way of serving God is to spread the good news of what God has done in your life and others' lives to others. Or maybe you're a prophet sharing what God is wanting us to hear today. Those are really big jobs, but there are also less shiny, but just as important ways to serve. Do you hold a leadership role on campus? Are you a part of CAC or advocates? Are you an RA, BSU, LSU? No matter your leadership position, people are looking to you and people are watching your decisions, your actions, and listening to your words. I don't say that in a way to make you paranoid. I say that because you are in an awesome position of being in service to others. When you help out that first year who is struggling, that's an act of service and people are watching. When you spend some extra time talking to that friend who just went through a breakup, or when you listen to a person going through a rough bout of anxiety, that is service and people are watching. If you give up your spring break to help out a nonprofit or go with your church and help serve others, that's service and people are watching. For some folks, service may come easy. It's easy to be of service to your friends, some members of your family, those in your campus community. But what might it be like to serve folks with whom we do not agree? I asked you earlier who is the most annoying person in your life, so think about them. Think about those who you find yourself in direct opposition with. Maybe it's someone from a different political party. Maybe it's someone you've seen hurt others. Someone who finds ways to discredit you or take you down. We are also called to be their servants as well. To quote Catholic worker activist Dorothy Day, one only really loves God as much as the person they love the least. So what does that mean to you? 
When God talks about serving the least of these, does that mean the poor and marginalized? Absolutely it does. But that also means serving those with whom we do not agree. It means serving those who get under our skin, or who can't see reason, or who just annoy us to no end. Service isn't easy. Service is difficult, and it's not for the faint of heart. While it may seem like a passive act, service is a radical act that has social, political, and economic implications. One who serves turns society on its head in a society that tells us we're self-made people and we get to the top with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. One who serves turns the political landscape on its head by reordering the status quo, making those who serve greater than those being served. Serving has economic implications because what happens to purchasing power when we serve? Our money doesn't go to ourselves, rather it goes to others, evening out the distribution of wealth. Serving very well could turn our entire way of ordering the world on its head. But let me say a word about boundaries. This does not mean we give so much of ourselves that we lose where we end and where others begin. This does not mean we are reckless with our bodies and souls. This does not mean we put ourselves in a position to be harmed physically, spiritually, or emotionally. There may be folks out there who we can't serve at the moment, and that is okay. Things like reconciliation and forgiveness, if you're ready for them, they take time, energy, love and care, and much, much guidance from the Holy Spirit. And if you're not there yet, that is okay. And that's the great thing about being part of a community. We don't have to do everything. We don't have the responsibility to save the world. Salvation comes from Emmanuel, God with us, not from our acts of goodness, kindness, and mercy. But it's those acts of goodness, kindness, and mercy that can orient ourselves to others and orient ourselves to the one who comes to heal the world, serve all, and love unconditionally. Let's not operate under the assumption that we need to do everything ourselves, but let's also remember that we are God's hands and feet. Open yourselves to what God might be calling you to do. Service is more than just something you do. Service is a way of life. Living a life of service has implications for your future. It requires you to think about your future job, your future relationships, your future church, and your future self. As you think about how you're going to shape your life once you're done here at GC, I'd encourage you to think about opportunities to serve. That could take the shape of volunteering, doing service associated with the denomination, being active with an employer that gives back to the world, or finding where your passions and the world's needs fit. As we see here, take what you see around you what breaks your heart the most about this world? Take into consideration your unique talents, skills, and gifts, 
and there you will find an intersection of service. You will find the place you are being called. So do you have what it takes to serve? Do you have the ability to put your ego aside, to put your pride aside, to put your ambition aside, and live the life in service of others? Can you put it all aside and serve that really, really annoying person I asked you to think about earlier in this message? Do you have what it takes to sit and be quiet and listen for where God might be calling you? Are you ready to give up some of your best laid plans, your carefully planned year, the time spent on other endeavors to live into the calling God has placed on your life? And make no mistake, as surely as you are sitting here, God has placed a call on your life. It might not look like what it did for your parents. It might not look like what it does for your friends. It might not even look like anything the world has ever seen before. And it's going to take guts. It's also going to take time. And it's going to take a lot of time, more time than you think, spent listening. But I guarantee it that you will find it. And when you do find it, live into it as only you can by offering your unique talents and skills and by serving all, also serving God. Thank you, Joanne, for that wonderful message. As we reflect on the message we just received, I would invite you to turn to a neighbor and talk about a mentor or someone who has demonstrated servant leadership to you. If you are done speaking to your neighbor, um, we're gonna sing one more song, and if you all please may stand, if you can all stand, <laughs> to sing uh, this song before our next thing.
Your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you've never failed and you won't start now. So standing and I invite you to receive these words of benediction. If you feel comfortable, maybe you would like to take an open posture with your hands. May the God of grace, may the God of love, and the God that works in all and through all be with us now, in this week, and in this semester to come. Amen. Before you leave, we have one more song, as a sending song. Number 548 in the hymnal, Teach Me Thy Truth. 